Would you like to hear a content marketing strategy that does not require you to post daily, to pester, and to have a large following? Well, I sure would. So that's what we're going to talk about today's on today's podcast. Welcome to Storytelling Secrets. This is the podcast for coaches, consultants, and course creators who want to unlock their core stories and use the stories to sell more online. It's a place to master persuasion and influence so you can build a deep relationship with your audience. And it's a place where real-world marketing strategies, tips, and lessons are shared freely. If that interests you, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Jules Dan, and I've battled my way from being a broke group fitness instructor to a full-time, in-demand, freelance email copywriter. Now, I'm ready to get to work. Follow along on my journey as I share my everyday hard-won lessons. I'm Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. My special guest today is Ellen Yin, and she's the host of the Cubicle to CEO podcast. Now, Ellen's really special because she's under 30, right? And she started her freelancing journey just making 300 bucks from that, and then she scaled it all the way to seven figures with her agency work. Now, she's helped serve over 8,000 entrepreneurs and brands with her online courses and marketing agency services. And I had her on because she's all about something called marketing minimalism, which she likes to put it as, you know, not posting every day, not having a huge following and still getting results, still getting clients, still hitting that 10K month if that's what you're trying to achieve as a service provider. So we're going to be talking about that today. If you want to check out Ellen's membership or her podcast, I'm going to leave that in the show notes, but enough throat clearing. Let's get into the podcast. Hey, welcome back to Storytelling Secrets. My name is Jules Dan, and I'm joined by Ellen Yin from the Cubicle to CEO podcast. I'm really, really glad I'm going to be talking with someone who's a similar age, who's a millennial, and we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of different things on our marketing super pumped. Ellen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Jules, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. Hey, I was wondering if you could uh, introduce yourself a little bit to about your backstory, and then we'll talk about um, before this on the podcast, it's how it's not necessarily you know, rock bottom story, but I would still love to hear how you came about to where you are today and what you're focusing on in your business right now. Absolutely. So what Jules is referring to is we were talking before this show about how there is still power in your story, even if you don't have a rags to riches story or maybe a you know, rock bottom moment that led you to where you are. I think a lot of us exist somewhere in the middle and we can still be our own catalysts for change rather than waiting for some, something outside of ourselves to propel us to create a better life. And so for me, my story in entrepreneurship started, um, about three years ago. So at the end of 2017, I was working a corporate marketing job and I had only been in that job for about 10 months, but I knew it was not for me. It was at this health insurance company, nothing that, you know, I was interested in. And so I actually took a risk and I quit that job without a backup plan. And at the time I didn't have the intention of starting my own business. In fact, I was planning to just move to a bigger city and find a different marketing job. Mm -hmm. Um, But while I was searching for jobs, I actually ended up landing my first client and it was a $300 project. And that experience, I kind of think open my eyes to this whole other world. And I realized, wait a second, if I have an existing marketing skill set that someone's willing to pay me $300 for, who's to say I can't go land other bigger accounts and clients and be able to 
monetize this into a true business. And so that's, that's how my business started. Um, we very quickly scaled to six figures through client work in that first year. And then, you know, just continue growing from there, working with dozens of clients from small mom and pop startups all the way up to fortune 500 brands. And then about a year ago, so like end of 2019, early 2020, I made a big pivot into, uh, into courses, um, instead. So these days, the majority of our energy, um, goes to helping our students inside my membership cubicle, the Mm -hmm. CEO, which is where we help service providers, coaches, um, make their first $10,000 month without a large following or posting every day. Well, did you say before 2020? Um, when I made that pivot, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like right around the end of 2019, 2020, that we started heavily focusing on our programs rather than scaling our services. Yeah. The reason why I was curious, cause I'm like, man, did you look into a crystal ball? Cause that would be <laughs> like the best timing ever to switch to digital courses. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of a crazy, a crazy timing. In fact, one of our most popular courses is a $27 course called hashtag hacks, which basically teaches you how to get visible on Instagram, no matter the size of your following. And we happened to launch that course. I think literally like the week, I can't remember if it was a week after or the week before COVID became worldwide Mm. news. So definitely was not planned, but it, it did come at an interesting time. And I think did play a role in, in the momentum of, of that particular, um, program, which we've now serviced over 7,500 students in. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, that's really interesting to know. I'm sure there's a lot of lessons you learned along that way from seeing all that. I'm going to imagine there was like an exponential growth when you launched that, like, Oh my God, I need this right now to, to start something new. Does that, does that have something to do with, I know on some of the things you wanted to talk about was marketing minimalism. Mm -hmm. Is that intertwined with what you're teaching in those courses? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a marketing minimalist. That is the name I gave myself. And I'm sure all of you are familiar with uh, Marie Kondo. She became very popular, right? With her book about minimalism in the house and decluttering your life. I fold my t-shirts the way she teaches. (gasps) Really? Okay. That's so cool. (laughs) I haven't quite perfected that, but maybe not um, the underwear though. (laughs) I just get thrown in there. (laughs) Yeah. Just, just toss them in a bin. Yeah, we're good. Um, But really for, for me, I I love this idea of being intentional with your marketing strategy and not feeling like you have to be on the content hamster wheel and posting every single day, showing up on every single platform, like all of these marketing gurus tell you, you need to do. I kind of take a very opposite approach. Uh, the, the signature system that I teach inside my membership Mm -hmm. does not rely on people having to grow a following. It does not rely on them posting every day. And we really just try to simplify marketing into a repeatable system that allows people to generate consistent high paying clients without spending all of their time on marketing. Interesting. And and so can I just ask the obvious question? Some of my, if I'm not building an audience, how am I attracting people towards me? Um, Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's, that's a great question. I've got. Yeah. Great question. So I dive deeper into this in my, in my free masterclass, but the, the core concept is, I don't know if you've heard that saying before, I don't know who originally said it. So apologize for not attributing the quote, <laughs> yeah. but it's, um, it's influence is easier to borrow than it is to create. 
And Mm. this is something that's really powerful because if you understand the power of borrowing audiences or leveraging existing audiences, you start to realize that your ideal client already exists and hangs out somewhere online. You do not have to create these people from scratch, right? They already exist. They're already in these communities pre-congregated for you. You just have to know how to find those audiences and get in front of them and tap into existing audiences so that you can start generating leads today, instead of having to wait two years to build your own list, to build your own following before you can start selling. Of course, building a community is important. Don't get me wrong, but it's a long-term strategy. And if you only do long-term strategies in your marketing plan, you're going to be very broke for a long time until you get to that point. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm so glad you said this because on Monday, actually I recorded a solo episode. Um, I created a LinkedIn post as well. Like if you want to become friends with influencers, and increase the influence, the best way to do it is to, I said, use a podcast. Um, mm-hmm. So, so easy to get in touch with them. Um, it's what we're doing right now. Um, and look, I couldn't agree more because I've looked at so many different tips, tools, hacks. How do you grow grow your business? How do you get clients? And the easiest way mm-hmm. is to tap into other people who already got that. People, who, who are the people who already have your existing customers? Who are the people who already got that influence? And then yeah. how do you stand out from everyone else? and actually, you know, break the ice of them, so to speak. So absolutely. Yeah. So I noticed on some of the other things you wanted to talk about was your network is your net worth. So mm-hmm. um, how, how would you teach your students to, um, is it, I don't know if you want to reach out to say influences, that word might be a bit dirty for some people, but <laughs> it, it, what does that, what does that look like for you to, to find those people with existing audiences that you want to connect with? Yeah. So our, our system that we teach actually doesn't rely on you uh, making connections with influencers and, and forming some sort of like mutually collaborative partnership. That is really powerful. And I agree with you, Jules, that like podcasting is one of the best ways to build your network, but that's kind of, that's, that's a whole other, I think, piece that is apart from our system. Mm -hmm. Um, Our system really is, is more about thinking of where your ideal clients already hang out. And our channel of choice that we teach on is Instagram. And so, and so thinking about Mm -hmm. communities, um, whether it's hashtag communities or whether it's, uh, followers of, of influencers in your space, like knowing how to genuinely and authentically connect with those people and bring new eyeballs and new traffic to your profile and to your content every single day. So that's kind of what we teach in the consistent clients cash flow system in our membership. Mm-hmm. But to your point about building your network, I truly, truly believe that uh, relationships are your greatest asset in business. And I'm sure you've, you've seen the power of relationships in your own business, being a podcast host and, and um, building your community. And so I, when it comes to building relationships, the key tenant that I operate under is always to lead with generous action. So to always think about what's in it for the other person and how can you be of service to them rather than leading with the ask. And so there's a million different ways you can do that. But if you, you know, if you have any specific scenarios that, you know, your listeners tend to find themselves in, I'm happy to kind of go into more detail on how they could apply that. Well, the most common one I reckon is, you know, you get hit up in the DMS all the time. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if that's uh, an example there, but I just want to go back a little bit. You said find IG hashtag communities 
not necessarily reaching out to the influence themselves, but people mm-hmm. who are, who follow that person or who are interested in that certain topic. So does that mean, mm-hmm. you, you know, sometimes what I've done is that I just leave like little memorable comments on people's posts. So I get noticed, do that frequently. And it's actually kind of working to grow the podcast a little bit. Um, is that, was that what you were teaching inside the, your community? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm sure we've all heard that, uh, the advice that consistency is key, right? Key to growth, key to clients, all Mm -hmm. these things. I think sometimes that consistency is applied in the wrong place when you're in the beginning stages of your business. A lot of people believe that consistent content is what leads to consistent clients. And while there may be some truth to that, if you have a really small audience, like you have no email list or you have a really tiny following posting every single day is not necessarily going to give you the momentum and growth you're looking for because your distribution and your reach is so small. And so in my opinion, it's better to apply that consistency to connecting rather than content. When you're in the beginning stages of your business, when you haven't hit six figures yet, your primary uh, block is actually going to be generating enough traffic. And so I, exactly what you said, like you want to be able to show up and connect authentically with people who are already interested in the problems that you solve with your service or whatever it may be and focus on that rather than just pumping out content nonstop. I like that idea. Um, that makes a lot more sense without giving away too much of the farm, um, and maybe leaving open loop for, for your masterclass, for your membership. Could you give, let's just say someone has 20 minutes a day on Instagram. I think that's a good amount of time. Mm. What would be those top three things that you would go recommend someone to do? Source uh, where your existing followers already hang out. Um, I would, I personally think that uh, watching people's stories and responding to people's stories is the best way to connect because it leads to a direct uh, DM rather than simply a comment. And it's a way to connect without pitching yourself. Like you never want to lead with a cold pitch. Nobody likes receiving a DM. That's like, Hey, I'm so-and-so. And and I offer this service. And I think like, you know, are you interested? Nobody wants that. So (laughs) always make it about the other person. And then the last piece I would spend time on, um, is thinking about what kind of content is actually going to directly address the objections that my potential clients would have and that need to be overcome in order for them to be ready to work with me. So rather than just pumping out content all day, every day for the sake of consistency, right. Or, mm-hmm. or just putting out a million how to content, because that's, that's most of the time when people are taught to give value in content, the way that they're taught to do that is to basically create a ton of tutorial based or how to content. The problem with that is how to content naturally attracts freebie seekers and people who may not necessarily take any further action on actually working with you. Right. So I think better content is to actually directly address objections and to move someone along that stage of awareness to be ready to work with you. Yeah. Look, I'm really glad you said that, um, content that counters objections because, you know, the content as well, like big mistake I see is when people use that content and then bring them onto their email list, they'll keep talking about content. I made that mistake too. Then, I, mm-hmm. then when I switched to switching to, uh, you know, countering objections, started getting like nine, 10% uh, click-throughs to my clients, like 40% opens. 
And it was just, yeah, I know it was just crazy. I'm like, oh, so, and this is when I first started out. I'm like, okay, so this is the switch you need to make in those follow-up emails is to counter objections, you know, still kind of using what to do content. Is that something you guys do? I know you're a marketing minimalist, but is that something you guys focus on too? Yeah, absolutely. So in our membership, um, before people actually even dive into our consistent clients cash flow system, we take all of our members through what we call our foundations phase, where we get really, really clear on your messaging. And part of that is your evergreen content. So I actually break down our content into four different types of content that your client needs to see in order to have your content, basically sell them for you. So instead of you having to show up every single day and post every single day, you want your content to do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. And so that's, that's something that we break down, um, inside our program. And I, and I think it's absolutely crucial because the truth is, you know, we've been taught over and over in this industry that you need to take a customer on this long nurture, um, journey essentially of, of, of sending them all this value, giving content, all this how-to content. When in reality, what would actually provide value to your client is to give them the solution to the problem that they are facing in the most efficient manner possible. That's what they're actually seeking. And so if you can shortcut that journey and really help them get clarity on that next step that they need to take in order to solve their problem, Mm -hmm. that is truly showing up and providing value for them. In my opinion. Yeah, exactly. Like bells ringing in my head because I think the exact same way. And I'm not sure if this lines up with the types of content that they need to see. A lot of the main things is like what I like to cover is one is like, does the vehicle, the thing that you actually try and help them with work? So you need proof with that. Mm-hmm. Then the second sell is, hey, can I actually do this? So belief in themselves, we've all been burnt before that sort of thing. And the third mm-hmm. one is like, do I have the time? Do I have the money? Do I have the resources to make this all happen? Yeah. Um And these are all intertwined with stories. And the reason why sometimes, um, you know, I'll take it a bit longer with my clients just to do the research. But when you do the research to get these stories out, man, these things just write themselves. Are you, are you plucking out, you know, you know, I know you've got a huge community with your, your membership. Are you just plucking out stories left, right and center to just plug into these types of content that they need to see to counter these objections? Yeah, I think, I mean, storytelling is so powerful, Jules, and you've really tapped into it so well, but it it makes sense because storytelling is our most native and original form of communication as humans, right? Before written language and all these things existed, storytelling was the way that we passed down knowledge from generation to generation in early human history. And so there's, there's so much connection that happens when you tell things through a story. And so, yes, I believe in all those things that you just said, um, where I think it's easier for people to see themselves having the success that they want when you can show them that it's already been done through the form of telling a story about someone else who has done what they're looking to achieve. And so absolutely. I I think storytelling is so powerful. And anytime you can infuse story into your copy, into your content, I think that's always a winning recipe. Yeah, absolutely. And um, with stories for your own content for say on social media and stuff, mm-hmm. you said that always you want to be thinking about content that comes up with the counters objections. Now, are you like just have a whole list of objections and then you just cycle through different stories or scenarios that are happening in your life or how would you plan that ahead of time? Yeah. The interesting thing about content, I'll be totally honest, is I don't actually plan a ton of my content in advance. I, because I am 
really focused on connecting rather than content creation. I only post on Instagram when I actually feel inspired to like when I have a download in a moment and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need to share this with someone. Right. When I feel inspired to, I create content. So sometimes in a given week, I might, you know, post five things. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, like my brain is just swirling with these ideas. And other times I literally might go three, four weeks without any sort of content activity. So Um, when it comes to what's traditional in the marketing world, I'm probably like the most inconsistent person when it comes to content, (laughs) but it, the, the, the fact is I don't judge my success in business based on how consistent I can be with content. I judge it on other performance metrics, right? Like the results that we get for students or what is our profitability in our business? So those things luckily have been growing despite, you know, not having, not feeling obligated to post every day. And I do have a, like a list of core, uh, objections that people have, but I would go even a step further. It's not just objections. It's also, um, like beliefs that people currently have. For example, one of the core beliefs that many people have when they enter my world is they believe they must have a large following in order to have a successful business or in order to land consistent clients. That is not necessarily an objection upfront, but my role with my content is to help them see a different way to help shift that belief. And so that's another core piece of what evergreen content does for us is us trying to figure out, okay, what state of mind are our ideal clients currently in or ideal students? And how do we help them see a different path than what they're currently trying to you know, go after. Yeah. Shifting beliefs. That's the aim of the game. And the best way to do that is stories. Oh, lo and behold. (laughs) So I want to ask a a few personal questions. That's all right. Um, Yeah, of course. Right. So where do you see your business going in the next six months? What's your big vision for it? So my big vision in the next six months is we are on a mission to help 500 women make their first $10,000 a month with a one-on-one service. And that's super important to us because I think, um, more women need to make more money and to feel comfortable talking about money. And I think when women have more economic power, we can create more change both in our lives and in our families, but also in our community at large. And so that's, that's really important to me and my team. And there's, you know, because financial transparency is so important to me, mm-hmm. I have been releasing income reports on my podcast for two years now. And so, um, actually this is now, yeah, this is now my third year of talking about exactly what my business makes down to the dollar, what we profit, what we spend in expenses. And it, it's been a really cool journey to take my audience with me on this, uh, this growth over the last number of years. Yeah. A silly question, but why is it really important to you to showcase your transparency with your financial statements? It's important to me because I think money has always been a taboo topic, but especially among women, I think it's much more likely for men to feel comfortable sharing what they make. Um, whereas women tend to feel that talking about money, this is not true for all women, but commonly most Mm. people even, even, I mean, not just women, but I think people in general feel uncomfortable disclosing their finances because they feel in some form or another, it may be bragging or that it's um, not considered polite or whatever it may be. But I think that breaking down those barriers and actually having honest conversations about money is so important because when we share that knowledge with other people, 
it gives people more information, which allows them to, you know, negotiate better, which allows them to show up better in their businesses, to make more informed decisions. Um, all of those things are super important. And I just think there's not enough people out there talking about money. And more importantly, I think that, and you've probably seen this in our industry in specific, a lot of people make these big, bold claims, right? We've all seen that ad with like a guy standing in front of his Lamborghini and his mansion. And they're like, I made a million dollars, you know, in one week. And it's like, okay, but you give zero context around that. You don't share, like, maybe you did make a million dollars in a week, but did you also spend a million dollars in ads? What did it take for you to get there? What did that actually look like? Was it actually worth it? Yeah, what was the profit? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What was, and you know, you talk about stories all the time. So like, what was the story behind making that million dollars? And I just think that that transparency is not there in our industry. And so it's something that I want to change. Hey, that's a really good cause and mission. I like, it. and I could see the fire in your eyes. So good on you. Hey, Thank and you. also to, to hitting to hitting that that goal, that vision. Um, what's that one little scary thing that you know you have to overcome in order to achieve that goal for you, you and your your tribe? Mm, that's a really great question. Um, I think the thing that, like, I've been working through, but also trying to instill in our members is a sense of leadership and accountability. So I don't want to become a crutch to my students where they rely on me to make decisions for them, or they rely on, like, I don't want anyone to hinge their success on me, right? Because hinging your success on anything external to yourself, I think is, is, um, the easy way out and it, it, it'll create problems in the long run. And so, um, that's something I've been working on is, you know, trying to, help empower the people in our community to use our system, use our knowledge and our guide as, as a way to, to make their own choices and to be able to rise up as leaders and like, look at data in their business and be able to form strategies and, um, you know, try different things from that. And and that's really important to me is that I, I feel like that level of accountability and leadership needs to be in each of us. So when you say you don't want to be that that crutch, do you mean by you don't want everyone having to ask like Ellen, Ellen, like I'm so lost, like what do I do? Is is that was that what you mean, or is it something different? Exactly. I think that sometimes when we join programs, we start to rely heavily on the program creator or something outside of ourselves to give us permission to do things. And the truth is, no one needs permission in their business to make a decision, right? Cause it's your business, not mine. Mm. Also, I think it's important to trust yourself, to learn how to trust yourself, to make the right decisions. Or even if you make the wrong decisions to trust yourself enough to, to overcome those failures, work through those failures and actually learn something valuable that you're going to take with you. So obviously we want to be there as guide, as a guide, we want to provide a proven framework that we've seen work time and time again for people to create that 10 K month result. Yep. But I don't want people to feel like they have to ask permission or to seek answers instead of to, instead of trusting themselves to come up with solutions because they are the leaders of their business. And when they graduate from our program, they have to feel comfortable being able to run their business and grow their businesses on their own. On their own. Exactly. That's the key thing. Yeah. <clears throat> the hardest part, I guess, is at the start with all the mindset and all the, you know, false beliefs at the beginning. Yeah. We're coming into attached. 
and you're, 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 they're coming from you, the cubicle to the CEO, like it's an employee mindset sometimes, which mm-hmm. is pretty hard to break, but it is yeah. possible. Hey, Ellen, it's been a really good chat with you. Where is the best place for my audience to find you online? Well, if you are a podcast lover already, we'd love for you to hang out with us on our show. If you search the cubicle, the CEO podcast, wherever you're listening to this, you should be able to find our show and subscribe. Um, we release new episodes every Monday. If you want to hang out with me on Instagram, my Instagram is at miss Ellen Yin. And if you want to learn more about the method that I previewed in today's episode, then you mm-hmm. can go watch my free masterclass over at ellenyin.com slash get clients. And that's going to be both the podcast and the masterclass in the description below. Ellen, thanks a lot for coming on to Storytelling Secrets today. Thank you, Jules. This is so much fun. Awesome. That's a wrap for today's episode. If you did enjoy today's episode, go check out Ellen's podcast, Cubicle to CEO. I'm going to leave that below. And of course, her free masterclass. I'm going to leave it down below in the comments too. But other than that, thanks a lot for tuning into Storytelling this Secrets this week. If you enjoy the show, leave a review. I'd really appreciate it. But other than that, Thanks for listening and I'll see you on the solo show on Monday. Bye.